Uh, good evening. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? And we're going to read from verse 21 to 27. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, and we thank you for this opportunity to come this evening. And God, will you just speak to each one of us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you who are visiting and who don't know me, uh, uh, my name's Nicola, and I'm part of the team here at Orangefield. I'm married to Sam, and we have a son called Joel, who is two and a half. And I feel like I'm that parent now that he's going to feature in almost every talk that I do because he's really cute. Um, and he's at that stage where he's really expressive. And for anybody that knows him, knows that he's loads of fun. And he's, we love to watch him and we love to see his faces. And Gemma, if you can just scoot on for me. That slide. Please. Oh, he's not there. He's away. It didn't work. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> He's not even there. There we go. The many faces of Joel. We are just amused by this boy and the faces that he pulls, and he loves to pull lots of funny faces. And more recently, there's a face that we're starting to see a little bit more. And if you just click on again, it's this face here. <laughs> this is his scared face. This is the face that we're seeing more and more when he's watching movies like The Good Dinosaur or The Lion King, and he knows that there's a scary bit coming up, and he knows that there's a bit that's maybe going to be a bit much, and every once in a while we turn around and he's just like this. And what Sam and I, and if you're a parent here, you can maybe relate to this, what Sam and I have found ourselves doing is starting to fast forward through the scary bits starting to fast forward through those little bits that make him really scared and a bit uncomfortable because he's just little, he's just tiny, and we don't want him to have to feel that or experience that just yet. And you know, sometimes I think we can do that with the Bible, can't we? We can get to a passage or a verse that makes us a little bit uncomfortable, that is just a little bit scary that stops us in our tracks. And we tend to skip over it and go to those other verses that make you feel good and that are lovely and that are easy to take on. And for me, the passage and the couple of verses that stop me in my tracks, that terrify me, that make me feel a little bit sick, 
are these verses that we find in Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Gulp. These are the verses that I like to skip over. And they stopped me in my tracks. And so you can imagine my reaction when I looked at the preaching schedule and discovered that this was the passage that I'd been given to preach on. And so over this past week, I've had to face this passage. I'm not a kid anymore. I can't just fast forward and skip over it. I've had to face this passage head on. I've had to wrestle with it. I've had to cry over it. I've had to struggle with it. I've had to feel the weight of it. And I've had to use it to check my own heart. And so tonight is very much about what God's been doing in my heart and what he's been bringing out in me and how we can, hopefully, how he can use that to not only encourage but also to challenge each one of us. And so one of the first things that I needed to do as I came to this passage was that I needed to zoom out a little bit. I needed to come out and see where these verses sit within the rest of the passage, within the bigger picture of where these verses sit. Jesus has been teaching his disciples how to live lives that are different. And we've been hearing about that over the last couple of weeks. How to live lives that are different, that are countercultural. And it's in these last few verses that we see him starting to wrap up, starting to come to his conclusion. The instructions have finished, and now he's driving home the response that's required. The response that is required not just from his disciples, but from us here today. A response for everybody. And verse 22 and 23 show us first and foremost that a verbal response is required. It's necessary. There has to be the acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. We can probably come off the screen now, Gemma, if that's okay. There has to be that acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. But here's where it gets uncomfortable. Because Jesus says that not everybody who does that will enter the kingdom of heaven. And my question is, why not? Because it's not just about our words. It's not just about us saying things. Yes, Paul says in Romans that we must confess with with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Yes, we need to declare it with our mouth. We do need to declare that Jesus is Lord with our words. But here in this verse, and elsewhere throughout the New Testament, we see that our hearts need to be involved. Our hearts need to be involved in that declaration. It's about more than just our words. It can be really easy to speak about who Jesus is and what he's done. It can be easy to use our words to say those things, but there has to be a work in our hearts. There has to be the realization that only by accepting and receiving the work of Jesus on the cross and the price that he paid and through his resurrection that we can know forgiveness for our sins and that we can be made right in our relationship with God. 
And so in that moment of declaring that Jesus is Lord, it can't just be in our words. It must come from a complete surrender of our lives. From a complete surrender of our hearts to his lordship over our lives. And the incredible relief that our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. We can know that complete forgiveness, but it's a heart response. It's not just our words that we speak out. In that moment, in that moment that we speak out that declaration of who Jesus is, when we surrender our hearts and our lives, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that frees us from fear and leads us into a life of obedience. A life that demonstrates a genuine change of heart. A change that comes only through faith in Christ and is accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we see, this is where we see Jesus take it to the next level. In the next verse, he goes even further. And verse 24 to 27 speaks of knowing and hearing what Jesus has said. We can hear what he has said. And Jesus warns us of the danger of not putting it into practice. It's not enough to just know what it means to live a life like Jesus. And James highlights this all through the book of James. We see he said, we must be doers of the word. We can't just speak it out. We must be doers. We can't just know what it is. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying we have to put it into practice. We can sit in church. We can hear a good sermon. We can read our Bibles. We can get lots of head knowledge. We can know exactly what it looks like to live a Christian life. But we can also still walk out of here and do absolutely nothing with that. And Jesus is so strong in his declaration when he says that to do this is to be like the foolish man whose house crumbled. When we hear how we're to live, are we doing it? Are we living that out? When Jesus says that we're to thank him in all circumstances, do I do that? When he says that we're to love, when he says that we're to forgive, that we're to feed the hungry, that we're to be kind, that we're to be compassionate? Am I living that out in obedience or do I just know it in my head? Or am I giving excuses? I know the Bible says this, but I don't want to do it. I know that you say to forgive, but I've been hurt just too much. I know that you say to love, but I feel like that person is just beyond loving anymore. 
I know that you say to be kind, but I was just in a rush. I know that you say that I'm to serve, but I'm far too busy. If we're to be like the wise man, the challenge is that as a child of God, when we've made that exchange, when we've spoken out with our words and we've believed in our heart and we've exchanged our our heart for the heart of Jesus, we have to live that out. We have to live a life of obedience. We need to make sure that what we say and what we know translates into what we do. And a quick story um, for you. Back in April 2011, um, I walked into the doctor's office and had had a few tests done. And this moment in April brought a change in my life. And it was this moment that I was told that I have celiac disease. And so for some of you here, you know what that is. For others, it basically means I now need to live a life of gluten-free loveliness. So I had to come out of that doctor's office and I had to tell Sam, I had to tell my parents, I told a few friends and especially whenever we're going out for meals, I've got to tell people this is what I have um, and so I can't eat gluten. And it was just after that appointment that I had an appointment with the dietitian, who spent an extensive amount of time telling me what I could not eat. <laughs> but telling me what I should be eating as well. And she gave me all these leaflets, and she gave me all this information, and I went out and bought a book, Gluten-Free Living for Dummies. (laughs) And I did a lot of research and really tried to figure out what this looked like and, and got loads of information. I was armed with knowledge and information. But here's the point. It wasn't enough just for me to speak that out. It wasn't enough just for me to tell Sam I have celiac disease. It wasn't enough for me to tell my friends. It wasn't enough for me to have all this information from the dietitian to know all the stuff that I couldn't eat and to have all of this knowledge on how to live a gluten-free lifestyle. It wasn't enough for my life to be transformed. I had to do something about it. In order for my life to be transformed, for me to be totally healthy and well and not suffer the consequences of eating gluten, I had to act on what I was saying and what I knew. There was action required. It was a hard thing. And I believe that this is what Jesus is saying in this passage. This is what this passage is about. We need to declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and accept his work on the cross and his death and resurrection into our lives. We need to have that change of heart. And we need to know what it looks like to live a Christian life. We need to read our Bibles We need to find out how Jesus and how God wants us to live. We need to know what it looks like to do the will of God, to live a life that has meaning, that is full of joy, that has purpose. And then we need to do it. We need to respond in obedience. We need to confess with our mouths 
believing in our hearts and put the words of Jesus into practice. And it's that, it's those together that lead to a transformed life. It's those things that lead to a life that bears the fruit of the Spirit. And we need to know what that looks like. What does it look like to live a life that is shining out the fruit of the Spirit? What does the fruit look like in our lives? And the first one that we look at is love. To sum up the gospel, you could sum up the gospel in one word, and that is love. God loved us so much that he would rather die for us than live without us. And in the book of John, he tells us to love not with words or with speech, but in action and in truth. Do our actions speak of love, even when it's difficult, even when somebody's really difficult to love? How can you show love this week to the people in your life? And then we have joy. Joy is so much more than happiness. And it's not determined by our circumstances. But it's a trust in God no matter where we find ourselves. In the midst of trials that cause grief, that cause pain, that cause sorrow. A life that bears the fruit is a life that finds joy in the midst of chaos and hurt knowing that God is with us in it as we praise him anyway. A transformed life bears the fruit of peace. And peace is not the absence of turmoil, but it's the presence of tranquility. We're commanded in Philippians not to be anxious. And for those of you that know me, you know that I am a bit of a worrier. (laughs) My family laughs. Um, one of my favorite verses is Zephaniah 3.17. And the language of that where it says that, that God will quiet you with his love. I love that imagery that he will quiet me with his love. And so we're in the, when we're in the midst of chaos, when we're in the midst of all this stuff that's going on in our lives, do other people see a stillness in me? Do they see that peace? Do they see it in you? A peace that passes understanding, even in the midst of turmoil. Patience chooses to do nothing in the face of ill treatment from life and from others. It chooses not to lash back. It chooses not to sin. It chooses not to do something in revenge or in anger. Are we easily set off when things go wrong? And when that happens, when people irritate us, can we do nothing? Can we have that patience? Kindness and goodness um, quite often go hand in hand. And for me, kindness, it's in our hearts. It's the stirring of our hearts towards those who are suffering. And we saw that in Jesus's life. Jesus had compassion on the hungry, on the hurt, on the sick and on the lost. And who is it that's causing a stirring in your heart tonight? Who is it that you can reach out to? Is it the friend who's in the midst of a family breakdown? Is it the homeless person that we see as we walk into work each day? Is it the person that we see in the office who sits on their own at lunchtime? 
Who is it that is causing a stirring of your heart? And when we think about goodness, when we think about getting to act like God in his goodness, it's the outworking of that stirring of your heart. Jesus comforted the hurt. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry and he died for the lost. There's action required on our part. What act of kindness can we do to show the love of God? A faithful person is someone with integrity. Someone who's truly devoted to Jesus and others. Someone who's reliable, loyal, and dependable. Am I, are you, someone who follows through? Who comes through? Who delivers the goods? Who shows up? Who keeps your word? Who keeps your commitments? Gentleness. Last time... I was speaking, I shared about doing the marathon. And I always struggle a little bit with gentleness because I'm not really a gentle person, kind of bound into a room, not very gentle-like. And I've always struggled a little bit in thinking that gentleness is associated with weakness. But when I did that marathon, if I had been hurt and needed carried gently off to the side, you better believe I wanted somebody strong to do it. It's easy to lash out. It's easy to gossip. It's easy to be harsh, to belittle somebody, to moan. But it takes great strength to be gentle. It takes great strength to respond with gentleness. When somebody hurts you, can you be gentle? and self-control. Our fleshly desires are constantly at odds with God's spirit. We always want to be in charge. And self-control is about releasing that grip on our own emotions, our own actions, and our own desires, and choosing to be controlled by the spirit. Are our desires controlling our lives? Or are we releasing our grip to be led by the Spirit, by his strength, pleasing God and serving others? This is what the transformed life looks like. This is what bearing the fruit of the Spirit looks like. And it's the transformed life that Jesus is talking about in those following verses when he says that when the storms rise, when the storms come and the waters rise, the man who built his house on the rock, that house stands. We can stand because of Jesus. When we declare that he is Lord of our lives, when we live that out, when we put it into practice, when we know what it looks like, we can stand. And not just in this life, not just for these years, not just when troubles come, because they do come because Jesus never promised that he would protect us from those things. But he promised that he would enable us to stand in the midst of them. But it's not just for this life, but on that final day, 
when we stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, that we don't need to be afraid, that we don't need to be scared, that he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. Instead, we can be assured that we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And as Glenn and the guys come back up, I just want us to take a little bit of time just to think about this passage. And there's so much more that we can do with this passage. There's so much more that Jesus wants to teach us. But over this last week, as I've wrestled, as I faced it head on, what I've discovered is that in this passage is an invitation. It's an invitation to examine our own hearts before God. And so maybe you're here tonight and maybe you have never declared Jesus as Lord. Maybe you've never spoken those words out for whatever reason. Or maybe you spoke those words out 20 years ago in a prayer, but there was no change of heart. It was just words. There was no evidence of a life that was changed. Jesus is serious about the consequences of that. We see it in this passage, and it's not comfortable, and it's not something that we like to think about, but he's serious about the consequences of that. But he's also extremely serious about the reward of a transformed life. He is extremely serious about that. And while it's not about fear or about worry, but if when you examine your heart tonight, when we take this time and you examine your heart and you see that there's been no evidence of a changed heart through faith in Jesus, whether because you've never spoken those words out or you spoke them out once, but there was no change, Is this the moment that Jesus invites you to step into a life that is transformed? To step into a life that can stand in the midst of any storm? To invite you into a transformed life that can bear the beautiful fruit of the Spirit? Who doesn't want to know love and joy and peace and patience? and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. That is the kind of life that Jesus is offering, a life of hope, and a life that will stand, not just in this life, but on that day when you will stand before him. Is this your moment? And while it's uncomfortable when we think that if we've never made that decision, there are consequences, this is the most beautiful thing about this life that we do with Jesus is that he gives us opportunity. He gives us an invitation to respond. It's not too late because we're here in this moment. And he's giving you this moment 
to declare with your mouth, to believe in your heart, to exchange your heart for his, and to have the strength to live that out, to live out that transformed life. And maybe you're here tonight and you have spoken that out and you have a genuine and a real faith and there's been evidence of fruit in your life but you're struggling. Maybe the invitation to you tonight is to allow God to prune you. When we look in John 15, Jesus says that God will prune us so that we can bear even more fruit. And is that the invitation to you tonight? To bear even more fruit. Or maybe you're like me. And you've read this passage. And there was a few people when I mentioned that passage that their face was like jewels. (laughs) They were like, gulp. So I know it wasn't just me that gets uncomfortable (laughs) or scared of this passage. Maybe you've known fear over this passage. There's been fear when you've read it and you've had that thought, what if, what if that's me? What if I'm going to stand before Jesus one day and he's going to say that to me? Maybe the invitation to you tonight is if you, is if you have spoken the name of Jesus, if you've received his work on the cross and you're bearing a life of fruit, maybe the invitation for you tonight is that you no longer have to stand in fear. You no longer have to stand in fear of that passage because you are a child of God. So there is a response here for all of us tonight. And if you're in that first group that I talked about, if you're here and there's a stirring in your heart, if there is something stirring in your heart, that you're thinking, I want to live that transformed life. I want to know Jesus in my life. I want to know that I can stand in the midst of any storm. I want to know that when I get to heaven, Jesus is going to welcome me in. If that's you tonight, make this your moment. Make this your moment because this is the only one that we're guaranteed. And the prayer ministry team are going to be up here on my right and your left. And if you want to go and pray with them, they would love to do that. But equally, you can pray from your seat. A simple prayer of acknowledging that we cannot step into a right relationship with God of our own merit. We can only do it because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so we acknowledge that before God. A simple prayer of acknowledging that we are sinners, that we can only know forgiveness of our sins through declaring that Jesus is Lord and inviting him to change our hearts and of then stepping out. And so if that's you tonight, you can just pray that prayer. But prayer ministry is available. And the guys are just going to lead us in a song. Um, 
You can stand, you can sit, whatever you need to do with God tonight in this invitation. But let me pray. God, we thank you that even though we can face difficult passages that make us a bit uncomfortable, when we dig in, we find you. And we find that you provide a way for us to know and to live a transformed life. And so will you meet with us tonight? Will you change lives tonight? Will you hear the cries of each person's heart? Will you bring people into your kingdom tonight? Will you allow people to see more fruit in their lives. And for those of us who've maybe been afraid or have been scared of this passage, will you allow us to stand tonight in the freedom of knowing that we are yours? And may the words of our heart be pleasing in your sight tonight, Lord. Amen.